Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Amen. Those are powerful words, aren't they? So, um... A couple of weeks ago, I was out because I took Joshua to a church in Savannah, Georgia. It was actually at Fort Stewart. You familiar with Fort Stewart? Total side note, that is a cool place to go. Because you're driving down the road and these giant tanks are rumbling through the streets and they've got their guys up top with all their flat gear and their helmets and they're holding their 50 cows. And then if you're there long enough, which pretty much means an hour or more, you're hearing the bombs and the explosions. And for a dude, that's just super, super cool. Would not impress my wife one bit, but me and Joshua, we were just amazed because we felt like we felt like we were in G.I. Joe land and, and it was safe. Awesome. So we went to this church in Savannah, and it was a spur-of-the-moment thing, actually. I called Brent uh, on a Saturday, so I guess, what, five days before we left. I was actually hunting. I said, hey, Brent, do you think you could, uh, or I texted you. I said, hey, do you think you could preach for me this coming Sunday? He goes, yeah. I go, okay, cool. I'm going to be gone. Because in that tree, I felt the Lord wanted me to go to this place. And so I did. I went to Fort Stewart to this church, and when I first got there, I was, I was a little bit kind of... Not uneasy, but I was a little unsure of how it would go because, truth be told, I knew nobody at this church except for one person. I knew one person. And, and I knew that this church was made up from people all over the country. I mean, there were people at this church from Wisconsin. There was somebody there from Minnesota. You know, you had some New Yorkers. You had some Chicago. I mean, you had, you had some Alabama. I mean, you had, you had some Floridians. I have no idea how to do a Florida accent because... Well, Florida's everybody, right? So, so you had people from all over the country that attended this church. And so I was a little anxious, not anxious, but I was a little wondered, you know, how's this going to work out? But as soon as I got there, I realized this is going to work out good. Because whatever I didn't have, somebody else there had it. I mean, no joke. Like, like I had, I had um, sugar and cream and instant coffee. Now, we all know that instant coffee is not a real coffee. In fact, it is a cheap substitute for coffee, and I only drink it at a, as a last resort, and, and, and so I brought it with me. But the guy next to me had real coffee. In fact, he had Cuban coffee, but he didn't have cream and sugar. So we were like, dude, oh, God made this happen this way. So he shared his coffee. I shared my cream and sugar, and it was like it was perfect. Y'all are looking at me strange. I promise this will make sense. So, so I, needed, I needed a couple of tools. Another guy, total, total total stranger to me, never knew, didn't even ask my name. He goes, oh, I got one of those. I mean, we shared things this entire time together, and nobody worried about Steve. Now, I'm, I'm a, my dad was law enforcement, right? And so I grew up very suspicious of everyone. Not in a bad way, but we don't go in my house without locking the doors behind us. We don't leave our car doors unlocked. We don't leave valuable stuff on the front porch. In fact, one way to get on my last nerve is if my family comes in or out the door and doesn't lock the door. Anybody else like that? You should be, by the way. You're that way, too. Well, you're part of my family, of course. Yeah, why? So, so but here's the thing. Man, we left our junk out. Like, like, we left all kinds of extremely expensive things just laying out, and nobody worried about it. Because as soon as we got there... We were an instant family. 
we ate dinner together. And it was crazy because you could smell this dinner from like hundreds of yards away. It was barbecue chicken and ribs and just this amazing smell. But as it was time for us to eat, nobody was wrestling to get in line because people were like, oh, no, go ahead. There's plenty. I mean, it was this amazing group of people, total strangers sharing, acting like the church. It was literally the perfect church that wasn't. It wasn't a church. It was a group of people who gathered together from all, there were 80 of us who gathered together in Fort Benning, Georgia for the sole purpose of this. How many of y'all know what that is? There are a handful of you who do, the rest of you don't. This is God's gift to every hunter on the planet. It is called a saddle. This right here has revolutionized deer hunting. Now, most of you just checked out at that point. I'm not going to talk a lot about it except to say, here's what this saddle does. This saddle enables you to hunt undetected in any tree that grows in the woods from four inches to 40 inches. Doesn't matter how many branches. It doesn't matter if it's in the swamp, in the hardwoods. It doesn't matter if it's in the thick stuff. This basically gets you anywhere you want. And this is a hunting saddle. And this is the reason this non-church gathered. And there's a couple of things about this church that's not a church that was, uh, that was, that was interesting to me. Number one, as I told you, we shared everything. I borrowed guns for the entire time from a total stranger. Like, he gave me his gun and said, enjoy it. He goes, here's the shell. Shoot as many as you want. I said, don't tell my son that. You'll come back with nothing. <laughs> and I go, well, how much are they? He goes, don't worry about it. It's free. I'll pay for it. So on the second day, see, this is, this is a saddle, but you, you, you use this up in the tree, but you got to get up in the tree. Guess what? There's a lot of different ways to get up in a tree. So on the second day, we all gathered around a bunch of trees. Y'all are like, this is so amazing. Yeah, I know, I know. Just indulge me, right? So we, we gathered around a group of trees, and in little pockets all over this place, there were different methods of how to climb up. Some of us used uh, these things called tree, uh, uh, tree sticks, and so we'd strap them to the tree and climb up and strap them and climb up. Others use these steps that you would lock into place. Some use these bolts that you'd put into the tree. Some people just threw a rope up there and pulled themselves up. Here was what was amazing. Nobody criticized another's way of climbing. We weren't like, well, I climb better than you. My climbing's better. We all believed we climbed the best way, but every one of us said, you know what? I acknowledge that your way of climbing, not too bad. That's kind of cool. I'm going to steal that sometime. Now, let me just ask you a question. Does that sound like the church in any way whatsoever? You got one central point of commonality. You got a bunch of different ways to do the secondary stuff, but, but there's some primary stuff that's absolute. Oh, by the way, a saddle hunter is really an evangelist. Because the one thing about saddle hunting is this. Those who are convinced about it truly believe that this is the real way to hunt. And they will tell everybody they know hunts, hey, I got a way that's a little bit better. I got a way that you want to try. You know what? Since I started doing this, I have told dozens and dozens and dozens of people about this. I can only think of two people who I've converted. One of them's name is Nick. He's at the fire station down here. Friend of mine. He wasn't hard to convert, by the way. You want to know why? I got him to try it. When he tried it, 
he realized this truly is the best way to go. Now, you're asking me this question. You're saying, what in the world are you doing preaching a sermon about a hunting saddle? Well, here's the thing. I was at the perfect church that wasn't. But the thing that brought us there, that, that made us act like a church, was a single, solitary focal point. It wasn't about hunting, it wasn't about food, and it wasn't about sharing. All of that stuff was the result of one single thing. The church, that is us, the people of God, the body of Christ, we do a lot of things as the church. In fact, you probably have heard the, uh, the five-fold purpose of the church, or you might have heard. It was, it was a big thing about 10 years ago, came out of Saddleback. They're not wrong. The five-fold purpose of the church, anybody want to help remember them? Fellowship? Worship, remember? Ministry, remember? All right, turn to Acts. I'll show you where it comes from. Acts chapter 2. The five-fold purpose of the church. I know you all remember these. You're just not, they're not coming to your head. That lack of hour, that's exactly right. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There's one we missed. To the fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs and wonders were performed. And many were added to them at the very end of that. So you have five functions of the church. Here's what I think that we might have gotten a little bit off in that teaching. We have sometimes said that we exist to do those five things. We don't exist to do those five things. Those five things are a result of us existing. We exist for one single solitary purpose, and it's found in Colossians chapter 1. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. In Colossians 15, chapter 1, verse 15, we find the clearest definition of who is in charge. In Colossians 1.15, the Bible says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things. How many things? All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before what? All things, and in him, all things hold together. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the, what? Supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Here is the point. This saddle brought us together in at Fort Benning or Fort Stewart. Jesus brings us together here. And it's not just Jesus, it's King Jesus. I got to tell you, this week I have come to the realization of just what King Jesus means. Notice the notice the 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 words being used in Colossians 1. All 
everything full. It is entirely encompassing. In other words, it leaves nothing outside of the bounds of the authority and the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ, King Jesus. And so ultimately, our struggle, your struggle, my struggle, is an issue of control. I want you to think about this. Every struggle you have in life, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your faith, your relationship with Christ Jesus, whether it's in your work conditions, every struggle you have is a struggle of control. Who is going to lead? Who is the boss? Who is the king? And I'll just go ahead and spill it for you. My goal for you today, and I believe God's goal for you today, is for you to recognize that King Jesus is the only king. In fact, we heard a preacher several weeks ago talk about that's my king, right? And we heard all the ways that he was the king. I want to elaborate on that for you this morning because we have trouble with an understanding of king because we live, we live in a different kind of government, right? We live in a government that's a republic. Now, we like to say democracy, but we, we know that it's really a republic, because I, I know if you ever say democracy, you'd be like, no, we live in a republic. We elect people, and we say, hey, you rule the way we want you to rule. That's the way our system works, right? Guess what? A kingship is different. Now, our view of king is not good, because our view of king is what we rebelled against when we came from across the ocean from, from England, right? We were rebelling against the king. We were rebelling against the throne, if you will. And if we look back in history, all the kings of the earth have had something that made them unlikable. And, and, and there have been a few kings here and there that were worth, worth following. But at the end of the day, most of those kings had, had their own interest in mind. It was about power and it was about control and it was about, about their own kingdom and their own dominion. And so our mindset says we don't want a king we want a republic. We want to say, we want a choice. We want the right to say no or yes. We want you to listen to us. We want our opinion to be heard. But folks, this is the problem. I, don't hope, I hope you're tracking with me here. But in Colossians, what we find in, in verse 16, for in him all things were created. All things. And then it goes on to, to describe those things. Things that are visible, things that are invisible, things that are in heaven, things that are in earth. All thrones, all powers, all rulers, all authorities, all things have been created through him. And here's the key. For him. We live in a world where there is a king. And the king of the kingdom is an eternal king. So I want, you to, I want you to think with this through this with me for just a moment. There was nothing, and then he created all things. And he created all things for himself. That means they're his. That means when we want to say, but God, I think that you need to do it this way. I don't mean to offend you, but... Our opinion doesn't matter. Amen? What we want God to do doesn't really matter. Now, don't, 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 don't get me wrong. There is a relationship because not only is he king, but he's also father. But let's, not, let, let's, let's put that to the side for just a moment and recognize that a kingship means 
that we are under his authority. We are under his control. We are under his provision. We are under his responsibility. We are under his authority. That means because he is king, we are completely and totally subservient to him. Your issue with God is not an issue of, 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 of sin. Your issue is an issue of control, which is manifested in sin. Your issue with God is not his unfairness. Your issue is control. Whether or not you will yield to God even if you don't understand. Your issue with God is, is, is simply the fact that you and I haven't recognized that he is worthy and justly king of all kings. And he was set as king before the foundations of the earth were ever put into place. So our understanding of king is skewed. Because what we've seen kings do is dominate their people. And we've seen them selfishly take for themselves and, 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 and not provide in the way that they should. We've seen decisions that were human-based and, 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 and personality-driven as opposed to a king that, that rules and reigns with grace and mercy and kindness and love. And so when we place, we don't even place him there, folks. He's there whether we place him there or not. Jesus isn't made king of your life. He is king. You'll either rebel against him or serve him. And again, that word serve has a bad connotation, don't you? Because we think of serve him as a, as a task, as, a, as drudgery, as, as painful Folks, it's the opportunity to be in the presence of the, of the author, of the one out of whom, he, out of his heart and out of his mind, everything that was made was made. And we think that somehow being, being a servant of this kind of a king is a bad thing? Have you seen what he made? Have you seen the sky awaken, awaken in the morning? Do you know that he tells the sea you can come this far? And no further. In the morning he says, son, you can rise to this level. Stars, I want you here. And I want you here. And I want you here. And I want you here. He says to the mountain goat, I know when you're going to give birth. And I'm going to provide just what you need for that, for that baby mountain goat to live. That's a bad joke. Thank you. He, he has all of these things. And never once has God said, never once has King Jesus said, I'm not sure what to do here. Never once has King Jesus said, now that was a little bit of a surprise. Never once has King Jesus moved to the edge of his throne and said, now I wonder how this is going to turn out. King Jesus is an eternal king. He was on his throne before the foundations of the earth were created and laid. And he'll be on his throne when everything is gone. He's king over everything. And the point of this passage is to point us to the supremacy of God. And our struggle in life is that we are wrestling with control against the king. And you and I will never win against the king. Some of you in this place are wrestling against God and you keep, you, you're frustrated and you're angry and you've you got all these things going on. But you're really, you're really pushing against God. 
You're saying, God, how come you don't? God's saying, look, I'm trying to, I'm trying to protect you. You're pushing against the very thing that's saving your life. Does that make sense? I don't know the circumstance you're in exactly, but I'm telling you, somebody today, you just need to stop fighting God and say, God, I trust you because you are king. And when you yield control to him and when you let him have his way in your life, what happens is there is a great freedom. Think about this. If you are in a right relationship with the king, not a king, the king. I watched a movie recently, Aquaman. Have you all seen that? Interesting movie. Besides the political overtones, it was fascinating. And I'm telling you this because it was a picture of what a true king is like. See, down in Atlantis, there were all these different kingdoms. And there were, each kingdom had their own king. But Aquaman became the king. He was king of the ocean, which meant every kingdom in the ocean fell under his authority. And when he was established as king, everybody stopped serving their own interest and, and thoughts, and they said, you know what? All of us now are just servants of the one true king. In real life, that is King Jesus. We all have our own kingdoms. We all have our own thoughts. We all have our own wants and needs and desires. And the moment Jesus is, it's hard, just so hard. When we recognize that Jesus is the king who was and is and is to come, we say, you know what? Forget about all this other stuff. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to serve the king. I'm asking you today. I believe God is calling you today to serve the king and to serve at the pleasure of of the king. When you have the king of kings as your king, all those other things in life, you find freedom. All those other things in life, you kind of measure to that. You kind of go, okay, I, I could worry about that, but, but I, know, I know the king. Yeah, I could stress about that, but you know what? I know the king, and I know his character, and I know who he is, and I know all that he's done in the past, and so he's not changing. I'm just going to make sure I'm on his team. The, the, I had this crazy thought yesterday. I was driving to pick Josh. He was up around the corner doing something in Pensacola. And as I was driving there, I had this weird thought. And I, I hope this doesn't sound crazy to you, but I was thinking, what if I got news today that the, what if the doctor said you got six weeks to live? What, what would you do? What would your reaction be? Now, I'm a tough guy, right, when nobody's watching. Without even thinking about it, out, like physically, here was my response to this imaginary situation where the doctor said, you've got six weeks to live. Here's literally what I did inside the car. Yes! And, I, and it kind of took me back. I go, whoa, that's, that's a little strange. And then it dawned on me. What I, what I unconsciously did was recognize that life is just a blip on the radar of all eternity. And if we got the horrible news that we have six weeks to live, the celebration would be, I only have six more weeks of pain. I only have six more weeks of sorrow. I only have six more weeks of struggle. I only have six more weeks of wrestling. I only have six more weeks of decisions. I only have six more weeks of exercise and diet. 
I knew that would get you. I only have six more weeks. In six weeks, I am totally free from all of the badness of life. And I'm in the presence of the king who is king since the foundations of the earth. It's freedom when you know this king. Does that make sense? So I wonder to myself, why, why do we worry about some things? Why do we worry about, about things on this earth that look so, so bad? Why do we worry about that if we know the king? Because you know what a king is? He is all authoritative. When, let me tell you, in a kingdom, when the king says it, it happens. Especially a king with all power. In other words, he has an army big enough to do what he wants to do. And the crazy thing is, God doesn't need an army. His word is enough. God doesn't need somebody to fight for him. He can do it all on his own. We fight with him and for him because he gives us that opportunity. It's more about us than it is about him. Does that make sense? God doesn't need you to do anything. He doesn't need me to do anything. We get to be a part of his kingdom. We get to be part of his, his people. We get to be those who display his glory. We get to be trophies of his grace. And I'm saying the moment we realize that Jesus truly is this kind of all-encompassing, completely in control, all-supremacy uh, uh, king, we find freedom and we find purpose. You know, what if God were to call you to do something you didn't want to do? What would you say to him? What if God were to say, I want you to go here, or I want you to do this, or I want you to speak in this situation? What would you tell him? You know, your first thought, our first thought, is probably no. I mean, if we're, if, we're, if we're normal humans, right, regular Christians, our first thought is no. Now, hopefully most of us would think about it and process it and eventually get to a yes. But if we were truly convinced that the king of kings is the one who we, plea, who we serve, our first thought becomes yes. Lord, <laughs> I, I don't own a truck. You own a truck. And I don't own a house. You own a house. <laughs> I, I don't own a knife. That's not a knife. This is... Okay, sorry. I, I, I don't have any money. I mean, it's, it's, it's your money. In fact, I don't have any friends, and I don't have a, any, every, everything else in life. It's yours. Lord, every, it's yours. I mean, isn't that what serving a king is about? You ever watch that show... The uh, Three Musketeers. You might think that all I do is watch movies all the time. I don't. I just remember them. At least the ones I want to. What was the Three Musketeers all about? You remember? All for one and one for all. What was their purpose? Serve the king. That's it. They lived. They breathed. They ate. They drank. Their entire life was just to serve the king. Protect the king, serve the king, honor the king. The king wanted it. They jumped in front and gave their life for the king. What if we, the church, were like that? And what if we, the church, were so convinced that we had 
the answer to every issue in life, the answer to every problem? What if we were so convinced that we had the way? Which, by the way, that's what Jesus said it is. It's the way. We would not stop, we would not fail to tell everybody we could, I've got to tell you about my king. We wouldn't think, oh, what are they going to think about us? What if they laugh about us? What if they reject us? Here's what I know. When I talk to somebody about this thing, and, and, and the, what I want to do is I want to get them to try it on. First, I want them to believe me, and then I want to get them to try it on, because if they'll try it on, they're going to be sold. But when they laugh at me and say, no, that's crazy, it won't, and, and, and they won't work, it won't hold you, I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't do that, I go, I sure wish you'd change your mind. I'm going to go tell somebody else. I don't go home and go, I'm so hurt, they don't believe me, they won't believe you. You know what? I gave them a chance. But I'm not going to let their rejection of the most perfect way keep me from telling somebody else because their rejection was about them and God, not about my neighbor. Amen? Listen, we tell people about silly stuff like this all the time. We find something good and we share it, don't we? Oh, man, you got to read this book. Man, this is the most incredible book. How many of y'all have done that? Right? Oh, man, I found this, I found this new book. Uh, I found this new website, man, you can do all this stuff and you can find, how many of y'all have done that? Man, I found this awesome song, you gotta listen to the song, how many of y'all have done that? Right? Man, I watched this movie, it was the most incredible movie, it's about this guy who lived on earth but then he went underwater, Aquaman, you gotta watch this, how many of y'all have done that? Guys, I found the king of all kings, I found the pearl of great price. I, find, I found, I found the, the most precious, priceless um, 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 relationship on the entire planet. I found the one who created you, and I found the one who knows you, and I found the one who, 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 who loved you, and yet nothing. Nothing. I don't want to offend anybody. What would they think of me? Religion is just not something you talk about. I mean, what if I don't explain it good enough? What if they ask me hard questions? What if, what if I turn them away? Why don't we do that with everything else? None of those questions enter into our mind. Hey, I saw this awesome movie. No, really, it was awesome. All right, dude, I'm just telling you, if you, if you, if you only saw the movie, you'd love it. You've got to try it, man. I'm going to go tell somebody else about the movie. And yet with the king of kings, you're silent. I want to say to you this morning that we live in a broken, messed up world. We live in a world that is wrestling for control in every area of life. At the end of the day, until we yield control to King Jesus, our life isn't going to work the way it's supposed to. Until we yield control of even the small corners of our life to King Jesus, we're not where God has made us to be. In Matthew Jesus gave a, a final word to his people, to his church. 
And, it's no, and, and actually, it's recorded in the other Gospels as well. It's no surprise that, that Jesus would have said it this way because he was simply reminding us of who he is. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, and some doubted, of course. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority. I think he said it this way. Remember, all authority. And man, he, you got, you got to know, when he said that, man, his eyes were like steel. He was convincing. There was no wavering. There was no question. When he spoke, the power coming out of his mouth must have been awesome. All authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. It's almost like he took his giant scepter. <clears throat> All authority has been given to me. Therefore, because I am your king, because I know you, because I love you, because I died for you, go and tell others about your king and bring them into the kingdom. Because my kingdom will never end. What are you wrestling with today? God has already answered that question. Your struggle is struggle of control. What is it about this king that you have not yet believed? Is it his power? Are you, con are you not yet convinced of his love? Are you not yet convinced of his authority? Are you not, not yet convinced of his ability? Are you not yet convinced of his knowledge? Are you not yet convinced of his presence? Are you not yet convinced of his relevance? Are you not yet convinced of his kindness? What is it that you're not yet convinced of? Because everything that I see, he's answered all of those questions. If you close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment, I want to invite you into a relationship with King Jesus. The Bible says it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of your works. You cannot do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to deserve it. If you could, it wouldn't be grace, and it wouldn't be a gift. The Bible says that our sin condemns us, for the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. And ultimately, it's us trying to control our future rather than yielding control to God. What we're giving up control of is our sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, it's a free gift. He extends it to you even in this moment. But the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. For as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. See, I've told you about King Jesus, but he's King Jesus, and we are not just servants, but we are sons and daughters, which is a whole nother story, isn't it? You're, you're not just serving at his pleasure, but you're in relationship with him as a father and a son or as a father and a daughter. And his kindness is given to you. And, and not just kindness and not just protection, but actually the inheritance that is yours through this kindness. And you don't just have a king who said, I'm going to watch over you from a distance. You have a king who said, I'm going to watch over you in you. My spirit will be in you and my power will be in you so that when fear is there, my spirit is also there and is bigger. When weakness is there, my spirit is there and it's stronger. This is the God I'm appealing to you to come to today. If you need to trust in Jesus Christ, do that now. If you need to yield to the king in an area of your life that you have yet to surrender control, I got to tell you, God's not going to give up on you. You can fight him if you want, but you're fighting a losing battle. Give up now. Father in heaven, I'm not going to say anything else. Lord, I'm asking that you would, would move mightily in our midst. God, I pray that you would... Well, let all of the passion and let all of the, the desire that I have in this moment be so much more through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would, you would help us to surrender all control. Lord, help us to get out of the car, give you the keys and get in the trunk and let you drive. God, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. You stand with me. We're going to sing, and this song is going to be time for you to make whatever commitment to God you need to make. If God has been speaking to you or dealing with you in some area, I'm going to ask you just to just to say yes to Him. Maybe you need to walk down the aisle and say to me or Pastor Brent or one of the other pastors, "Hey, this is what's going on in my life." Maybe you need some help with that. Maybe you haven't. You, you want to trust Jesus, but you're not sure how to do it. You're not sure what to pray. Step in the aisle. Come and talk to us. Whatever it is God would lead you to do, would you do it now? Let's pray. You are who you say you are. You'll do what you say you'll do. You'll be who you've always been to us, Jesus. Our hope is in you alone, our strength in your mighty name, our peace in the darkest day remains, Jesus. 
And this we know, we will see the enemy run. This we know, we will see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. And our guide through the wilderness, our joy in the heaviness, our way when it seems there is no way. Jesus, and this we know, we will see the enemy run, this we know, we will see the victory come, we hold on to every promise you ever made, Jesus, you are unfailing, we trust you. Trust you, your ways higher than our own. We trust you, we trust you, your ways higher than our own. We trust you, we trust you, your ways higher than. Because the king, you can trust him. You can trust him. I have any idea who that is, but somebody in this room, you, you haven't found freedom because you're holding on to that. And you can trust him. You can trust him. Father, we pray. pray that in this place, your presence would be undeniably overwhelming. Lord, not because you have to prove anything to us, but because, Lord, we, we need you. We need you now more than ever before. And God, as we sing these words, we trust you. Lord, help them to change from words to action, to the, to the heartbeat of who we are. God, let your power be in us and through us. The same power that set the foundations of the earth, let it be in us in our daily breathing and walking and moving so that all that we deal with in the world is subject to your 
God, we trust you.